Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 293, Talking Turkey with Preston Pittman. And I am your co-host, and the guy who had an awesome weekend, despite getting his rear end totally kicked at Mexican train dominoes. And I'm your co-host, and also a guy who got his butt kicked at Mexican train dominoes, but I'm also the guy who's still paying for my many excursions from turkey season. Hmm. Do tell. All the toll booths this year (laughs) are (laughs) mailing me, and my wife thought the Texas ones were spam, so she's been throwing them out. Well, my $2 toll that I owed now is 20 something dollars. Yep. And I just got, I just laid eyes on the first one, and I was like, holy cow. But anyway, I got toll booths in Texas, New Jersey, New York, Maine. I got a traffic ticket in Iowa on my way to Minnesota, which I just threw that in the trash. Ooh, I didn't know about that now. Yeah, it, one of those camera ones, you know? 
Yeah. So I got one in Iowa and one in Tennessee this year, and they're both will make really good fire fuel, and I didn't pay either of them. So I'm not oh, going. Law. Man. Ever since, I can't remember who it was, but it was a senator, I think, in Tennessee or somebody like that. He's one of our government officials here in Tennessee. He put up a video on online and he said all right everybody you know when you get one of these traffic violations from a camera that took your picture you know this is exactly what i want you to do with it and then he just lights it on fire and chunks it in the trash can so ever since i saw that i figured i'm good to not do those so you may lose your driving privileges in the state of iowa which (laughs) we're really not all that all that concerned with except i wonder when you go to buy a license to hunt turkeys in Iowa, if you're going to have an issue then. So you're telling me my my U.S. Super Slam, I'm going to get 48 states, and then because of a traffic violation, I'll never be able to get that last state legally. A traffic violation back in 2020. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. I've, I've read up on it, and apparently they they can't, they can't prove who was driving the vehicle. So how are they going to prove that you're guilty? So That's why you're supposed to tell them who was driving the vehicle. And if it was not you, you're supposed to say, that was not me driving. That was so-and-so who was driving. Well, I'll give you a call if the uh, Iowa police come breaking down my door. But I think they got bigger fish to fry in this world than hunt me down. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of them <laughs> unemployed here before too long. You know, since we're going to defund all of the police departments. Yeah, that's going to go great. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. So we don't want to get too political on here. Absolutely not. Nope. There's plenty of podcasts that are political. Yep. They don't need our two cents. No. Well, tell me how long we got, Andy. I'm freaking sad. It's still too long, but getting closer all the time. Best I can tell is we are 275 days, 10 hours, 11 minutes, and 8 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season 2021 in Alabama. In Tennessee, we are 288 days, 9 hours and 47 minutes from opening day of spring gobbler season in the volunteer state. Man. Too many days, man. Well, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it, doing a little bit of math. 275 days, you know, a human being can have another human being. In that length of time. Won't be me. (laughs) I didn't know you and Tammy were trying. (laughs) Oh, one of these days I'll tell you a funny story. It will not be on this podcast, but I will tell you a funny story (laughs) about that. So, and if any of you guys catch me out sometime away from the podcast and away from the microphone, and you can remember to ask me the funny story about one of the hunting club members when I was a kid who had gotten recently remarried at the time. I will be glad to share the story with you, but it will not be on this show. So speaking of this show, we have a pretty darn good episode this week. Heck yeah. And finally, after months of teasing you guys with this owl hooting contest, we have a winner. Have a victor. And we're going to save it and let you guys hear who the winner is in the interview that we have today with Preston Pittman because we are talking turkey with Preston today. And we cover a pretty wide range of topics 
in this call and you know Preston never disappoints I mean he he brings it every time he comes on the show and so one of the reasons like it's natural or something yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and that's one of the reasons why personally I love having him on the show and you know you add on to that the fact that he's just generally a great guy and you know it's it's hard to beat an interview with Preston Pittman. So what do you think? Should we kind of tee it up a little bit with the final two entries in the Owl Hooting Contest and then let Preston tell us who wins in the I interview? think so. And and thank you to everyone who submitted. Yes. There were a lot of good submissions. And then Andy and I whittled it down to these two fellas. And great natural voice Owl Hooters out there. It's good to hear because... I got to tell you, when I'm actually in the woods hunting, I haven't heard very many good ones. So I appreciate all the submissions, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. Enjoyed it. That was fun. And you know, I don't know if it's, it just really kind of seems to be something new to me. I have been hearing fewer and fewer natural voice hooters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It seems like every year. And I don't, maybe it's my imagination, but you know. You guys out there have, at least in with my observation, has been that you guys out there have been buying a bunch of owl hooters and blowing those out in the woods. But we got some great entries with Natural Voice. Do you want to tell everybody who our two finalists are before we get going? Yeah, so finalist number one was David Falk, and he... Submitted on his drive home from a turkey hunt. I think he killed a turkey in Oklahoma and then shot one in Missouri the next day is what he said in his precursor to his video. And he had a dang good hoot. So he's finalist numero uno. And then our second finalist is Rodney Gilbert. And I didn't get his full name until now. So on the show, you'll hear we refer to him as something else. But Rodney Gilbert... And David Falk, you are the two finalists. And so Preston Pittman has chosen one of you. <laughs> All right. Let's cue it up and let's reveal the big winner of the Owl Hooting Contest and the one-of-one one custom turkey call made by Preston Pittman himself. And then how about we see everybody on the other side? That sounds like a plan to me. I can't wait to hear it. And y'all listen in, because anytime Preston talks, you need to be listening. They just don't make them like that anymore. So we got some great info. Listen up. Hey, everybody. I've got some good news for you today. Cameron and I have delayed and delayed and delayed, but we finally have the man with the plan on the phone today who's going to settle this dispute about who the best owl hooter is in all of turkey hunter podcast land wow yeah what an honor. yeah absolutely so maybe this person will hold the title for a year or they he may hold it forever but yeah i'm excited about having preston on today because well I- i'm gonna get him to plug his ears for a second it's Preston Pittman. What's not to be excited about having Preston Pittman on the show? Oh, gosh. You heard well, that? You know what it sounds to me like? I heard that. You know what it sounds to me like? <laughs> it sounds to me like you just threw me up underneath the bus because I'm fixing to make somebody real happy, and I'm fixing to make somebody madder than Scott at me. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, I don't know that anybody's going to be mad or snot at you, but 
Yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to be disappointed to know they're in the top two and didn't quite get there. But, hey, we can't all be winners, despite what the population or the majority of population says today. There can only be one winner. And to quote Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. participation trophies on the turkey hunter podcast oh, no. heck no so you just said you were ready to hear some owl hooting let's hear it yeah. all right well then let's see here i'm pulling up the first one now and i think i need to get a name to go with this entry so don't give me a name we're gonna go number one and number two okay you can give me names that's right because in case i know it. yeah Number one might live in your neighborhood, so we don't want your your house egged. Okay. Number one might be me. You never know. So here comes number one. Oh, let me turn it up here. Here's my uh, here's my best out there. Entry number one. Entry number two. I think the acoustics may be a little poor on this one, but I know Preston knows how to judge these and ignore acoustics, but here we go. I think this one's a little longer. That was not part of it. number two so they both are very good they are they both are natural voice callers that's great to hear but i'm gonna have to edge towards number two and the only reason why is because he can put the role in it and number one did not put the role but i have some advice from number two who to me is the winner he needs to work a little bit more on his cream and get a little bit higher pitch note but I still got to lean towards number two. But number one, you did a wonderful job. Fantastic. So, All right. Cameron, you know who the number two entry is because you and I have listened to these quite a few times, but that's the one I don't think we have a name for. We just yes. have his Instagram handle. He sent me a message on Instagram with his entry, but his name isn't on Instagram. So, so we're going to call him Mizzou T-shirt guy for right now. <laughs> Your handle on Instagram. <laughs> His handle on Instagram is Rod G Two Mizzou. That is our winner, and our runner-up was David Falk. Yeah, and now we got some really good entries, and Cameron and I narrowed it down to these two guys because they were the most realistic sounding you know whether it was tempo or the pitch of the call whatever you know some of these 
calls got ruled out, you know, for those reasons. And I will never claim to be as good a judge at judging calling than Preston Pittman, who has probably judged. Just take a wild stab at how many how many calling contests you've been a judge in. Oh, one or three. <laughs> oh, good gosh. I've seen you judge three, so I know it's more than that. <laughs> uh, well, let me put it to you like this. I've judged the world, all divisions of the world. I've judged all divisions of the Grand National. I've judged all divisions of the National. And I've judged some divisions in the U.S. Open. And then you can go down from there to state, regionals, districts, so on and so forth. Yeah. I don't know. A bunch. A bunch of them. And, a whole bunch. And I doubt anyone on this call needs to hear your qualifications for judging. And it doesn't really matter. Because Cameron and I said you are the judge. And here you are. The judge has <laughs> slammed the gavel down. And Mizzou t-shirt guy well, I tell you what, is getting a... I, I, I will, I will give you. I will give you. Give the people this much background, and I really don't like to talk. About it. There were five divisions of the World Turkey Calling Championship: Natural Boys, Two Man Team, Champion of Champions. You know, anyway, there's five different divisions. As far as I know, I'm the only person who has ever won all five, and I have. You know what? I did. I won the World Owl Hooping Championship years and years and years ago. Whenever I had. Uh, Hair on my head. So I've got a first and a second place in the uh, World Championship in Iowa. So I think I might know what a turkey owl sounds like most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably spent more than 30 or 45 minutes in the woods, too, and, and may have heard a real owl and a real turkey. So. I've had my hats knocked off. I've had my hats knocked off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. So, Mizzou T-shirt guy, is we're going to get the two of you hooked up, and I'll let you know what his name is, but he's going to get with you, and you're going to make him a one-of-one custom box call, which is going to be cool, and I can't wait to see it when it's done. That is going to be sweet. Well, what you you need to do is you need to give him my cell phone number. You've got it. Let him call me and recognize himself as to where he got this from. And then what happens is we just, and I kind of say this as a joke, but I could probably do it. If he wants a donkey jumping over an alligator with a rattlesnake in his mouth trying to land on a butterfly, I can pretty darn well make that happen. I hope he wants that. <laughs> you like that, nigga? But what you try, I what I try to do well, I try, I try to pick their brain. If they, uh, if, if, if they're a great, uh, if they used to play football and their number was number six, but they like to fish, you know, I might take a spinning reel and put a guy on a bank fishing, and somewhere on the boat it might have number six, or even on the reel I might put number six. Mm. So that's what makes them truly one of ones is the individual we talk back and forth then i bring it up on the computer screen screen and then i'll take my cell phone take a picture of it text it to them and they go yeah i like that but you know i wish i had a feather laying on the ground that just fell out of the turkey no problem go back so we customize it uh and i'll be doing this and i'll customize it to the individual of what they like you know what i mean yeah that's awesome so is this service and this one-of-one one custom 
call option available for anyone and everyone who would want to call you to get one? Let me just get through the mad news first. Yes, they're two hundred dollars a piece. Okay. I'm not going. I'm not going to spend the time. No. Unless I get the reward. Absolutely. You know, because it this it's going to take me a couple of hours, basically, to set the laser up and to get it lasered and go back and forth. Usually somewhere between two and three hours of my time is what you're looking at, mm-hmm. and that's what you're paying for. I mean, in, in reality, it, it's it's more about the time. It's got to be good for most of you. Yeah, so right, and, and, and I want to make it just what I say it is. I want it to be a one-of-one for that particular individual. And if they were to start getting close to somebody else that I've done, I would tell them, no, we need to do something a little bit different. Uh, we need to add a feather, take a feather out, put tracks around it. You said you like the saltwater fish. That's how the boat and the turkey standing on the back of it uh, with a sailfish on the end of the line. You know, it depends on whether you want it serious or funny. Uh, I've had grandparents do that. Now, we offer something on the website. This particular, what we're talking about now, you have to email me direct, and that's Preston at PittmanGameCalls.com. That's the only way. You've got to get me. I'm not going to get my cell phone number out over there. So it's Preston at PittmanGameCalls.com. Don't be surprised if it takes me three days to get in touch with you. I am an old part. I hate email, but we'll start there. And email me your name and email me your cell phone number or a number I can get you at and that you're interested in the one-on-one call. That's the way that would work. Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure there's... I didn't know I was going to get a darn commercial out of this. (laughs) Well, you know, you've done something that not a lot of people who come on this show to be interviewed to share their knowledge about turkey hunting and everything else, you've you've offered something that not a lot of people that have that have been on the show have offered. And so I I only feel like it's fair for me to ask you that question of is this available to everyone else? Because there are I'm sure other people who would want a call like that, whether it's you know, to remember their grandfather that taught them how to turkey sure. hunt or there you go. You know, anything like that. And, and look, $200, it's a lot of money, but $200 is not a lot of money, you know, and, and I, I know I just spoke out of both sides of my mouth, but for something I, like I that, a that. custom call, it's really not. So anyway, um, no, I, I thank you and Cameron thanks you. I know Absolutely. too, for, for offering to do this. We had fun going through some of these videos that we got some of them were were quite funny because they were trying to be funny and the majority of them were were you know being were serious entries and we judged them all very seriously no one look if you if you are brave enough to do a natural voice owl hoot and send it to two people you don't know who have told you we were not going to put this on the show and make fun of anybody and you trusted us to do that, then we're respecting that. And so, awesome. you know, we, awesome. we had a lot of fun with it and I appreciate you making that offer. That was, it was, it well, was let me tell you what, cool. I'm already dreaming. I'm already dreaming. Cameron, remind me of this when it starts getting close to uh, turkey season next year. We're going to do another prize. I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to do something else. How about that? 
I'll remember. I like it. Awesome. Thank you. And well, you know, I, I I would probably be insulted because you told the young guy to remember something, but <laughs> you're you're smart. You know, I'm not going to remember anything. So you, you did right. I'm been around you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. So tell everybody how your season went because, you know, we had this huge curveball thrown at all of us. But right, here's, here's what I found out this turkey season. I am 66 years old. I can barely do fourth grade math. And once you get into the sixth grade, excuse my French, I'm screwed. You know what that means? That means that different... We have almost a compound, okay? Father-in-law, three stepdaughters, four grandchildren, all live within walking distance. So we all did intermingle, you know what yeah. I'm trying to say. But at the same time, we could, uh, one person could go somewhere and get the groceries or whatever it may be, yeah. okay? So we self-quarantined ourselves, and some of them still had to work occasionally, so Peepaw, who is me, became the official babysitter, and I loved it. I make no bones about it. Mm-hmm. Now, the negative part is, is I have a fifth grandchild that lives down in Hasburg, and I wish that she could have been there yeah. also. So my turkey season this year was little or none, but I own, everybody thinks I'm some kind of millionaire, Florida border. We were still going to try to slip in there with the first part of the season, 
remember the gentleman I was staying with, his assistant came down with the virus. Hmm. And Nebraska closes, Kansas closes, Tennessee shut the uh, Tennessee governor's hunt down. So I didn't travel this year, and I didn't see but a handful of birds die, half a dozen or so, which is the worst year I've had probably since the first or second year I ever started turkey Yeah. Wow. But it was the best. But it was the best. Yeah. Well, I totally get that because I didn't I didn't see a whole lot of birds die either, but I, I there were plenty of opportunities and I got to watch a lot of turkeys. And you know, I, I I'm with you. I, I could have seen a lot more flop and didn't. You want let me tell you what. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna classify this as a lesson, okay? Of course we all want our children, our grandchildren to have a good time and be able to harvest a bird. That's a gimme, okay? But after they harvest a bird or two, granddaddies, daddies, mamas, grandmamas, instead of finding the easiest bird that you can possibly find for them, let them go ahead and kill one or two. That's not what I'm saying. Let them go ahead and get, as I say, little, little devil off your shoulder and, and, and kill them one or two. Put them on some birds to where they can get a true education, to where odds are you're not going to kill the bird. Odds are that you can teach them and whisper to them and mm-hmm. tell them what's going on and give them the reasons why you didn't harvest the bird. Uh, that is so, I mean, I, I really got to experience it this year at 66, better than any time I've ever got to experience it. And it turned into a love hate, which we all do know when we get one of them birds that whoops our rear end. But I don't know how many times with people, what happened? People, what could we have done different? People, what are we going to do tomorrow? Well, people, what about this? And you're going, they're getting it. She's yeah. getting it. You know, she's understanding. She's learning from the same way that I learned. She's learning from the birds themselves. That is so, so valuable to a youngster coming up. They do not. I might get some slack on this. They absolutely do not be able to harvest a bird, deer, squirrel, coon, possum, orangutan every time mm-hmm. they go. They need to learn it. It doesn't happen that way all the time. That's my lesson for today. I like it. Very much so. Well, I'm glad you had a good year. And, you know, I hope that next year we don't have to deal with this COVID issue and we can all get back to hunting as we normally would hunt and hopefully for you that'll still include some hunting with the grandkids oh definitely oh Houdini we named him Houdini he goes oh he's gonna die and he's gonna die with I don't even know the name brand but it looks like a little cricket 22 410 that when you put the by the way I'm gonna touch on something I want to make something perfectly clear before I say this. That TSS to me is one of the best things, but could be one of the worst things that ever came out. Worst thing being, for God's sake, I'll be careful to know what you're shooting at. This stuff is yeah. deadly. That's the best stuff to me that has hit, has hit the market. The, the patterns are so much denser. They're so much tighter. There's so many more pellets because you can drop down to a small pellet. Could it possibly give you a little more range? Yeah, but that, that's not what it's all about. It's not about trying to kill a blanky-blank turkey at 100 yards with a shotgun. Y'all folks that are doing that, you're 
happened too many murders. Quick. Bring it back into a reasonable distance that you know what you're done safely every time we'll harvest a gun. But to give you an example, here's what happened with a little 410 single barrel shotgun. We put some number sixes in there, just regular lead sixes in shot. And she had a pretty decent pattern out to about 18, 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I got some TSS input in there, and with, with the penetration, with the density of the pattern, she now has a 35 yard gun wow. that weighs nothing that she can move and maneuver. And I think it was 57 pellets she was putting in the head and neck at 35 yards. Yes. I asked that, I'm not going to yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. The, the four tens yeah. with the TSS loads and these modern day chokes are super deadly out to their range. Oh, you mean like a good, you mean like a good, here you go, commercial, you mean like a good jet? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's what I'm shooting. I am an apex and a gym man. And you still have to waste a little bit oh, of money. Yeah. Well, maybe a lot of money. You still need to pattern your gun. You need to know what your gun would do at any given distance. That's exactly right. You need to study the ballistics. You need to quit trying to shoot shoot too darn far. Well, you don't know this, but you've opened up a can of worms that uh, I see Cameron's face in that can of worms too. So I'm going to let Cameron (laughs) jump in and and chime in on you or with you on the. shooting turkeys at a distance and before i do though i'm going to say this what you just did is reason number two three five or six as to why we don't have sponsors on this show so you can talk about whomever you'd like to talk about and we don't have to worry about ticking anybody off and if something works for you fantastic please share because everyone listening to this show wants to be better at what they're doing. That's what works for me. And yeah. that's what works for four guns I've got. I have nothing but praise for both of those companies. Apex makes a fine shell. I've been in their plant. I've watched them. It is unbelievable. I watched them take one, one number nine shot out because it, before they closed it up because it didn't meet the parameters. Hmm. <laughs> I called I call Jibs and I go, what do I need for my gun? What's your gun? What's your barrel length? What kind of shell are you going to be shooting? If it doesn't work, send it back. We'll send you another one. If it ever goes bad, you have a lifetime guarantee on it. Yeah. Y'all beat that. I mean, it's just, and I'm not saying there's not other good shells out there because in a pitch, if I ran out of my apex, I know that the Federals can shoot okay in my gun. Not as good as the Apex, but they shoot okay. I know that Indian Creek, I'll say their name, builds a fine choke. That's what my son-in-law shoots. And that's what works in, you know, that's what he got, and it works in his gun. There's a lot of great manufacturers out there, but that's my recipe. And do I get paid by either one of those companies? No, I do not. Yep, yep. Very good. Well, Cameron... Have you pulled your soapbox out from underneath your desk? Go ahead and get on it. I'm I'm not going to go into it too much, but I just, 
when you bring up the TSS thing, I think TSS for the what you just described, you're you're making a 410 gun that's lightweight, and, and your granddaughter's going to be able to kill Houdini with it next year. I think that's where it really shines, in my opinion. And the sub gauges, it, it allows people to use a 410 or a 20 gauge so they can carry it further or whatever. But I'm just, I'm fed up with people who are getting, I know a guy personally, went and bought himself a 10 gauge, three and a half inch, and shooting TSS out of it. I mean, yes, if you shoot a turkey at less than 40 yards, it's going to kill him more dead than he would have been otherwise, I suppose. And it's as lethal of a way as you can use to shoot a turkey. So I like that aspect of it. But the people that are buying these guns and all this stuff, they're wanting to be able to shoot turkeys at 100 yards. I just I just don't think that's you know, what the sport's meant to be. <laughs> and and I, I will promise you this. If they haven't yet, they will cripple some birds. Oh, well, yeah. so Preston, I don't know if you know this or not, but there was a certain video that was placed on YouTube and it was a pretty major company that put it out there where they said the caption was 80 yard shot kills a gobbler while breeding a hen so this person shoots a turkey at 80 yards while he's on top of a hen and you can see that the hen catches quite a few pellets out of tss number nines at 80 yards i mean your pattern's huge at that distance kills the gobbler the hen starts flopping. She rolls a couple times. Well, she got to her feet and got out of there, but she was hit. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind she was hit. And they put this on YouTube, and I took exception to it, put it all over my social media feeds, and got them to take it down. Because I'm like, we don't need people thinking it's okay to shoot a bird at 80 yards while he's on top of a hen. <laughs> there's, there's no Chairman, way. I agree with you. Chairman, I agree with you. Number one, I don't want to take no 80-yard shot, period. I'm just going to go ahead and fess up and tell you what I have. Yes, I have a 410. Yes, I have a 20 gauge. If I had to, I would feel comfortable with my 20 gauge. I'm stretching it to right at 50 yards. I don't want to do that. I do not like to do that. 40 yards is usually about as far as I want to shoot a bird. 30 yards is my ideal range that I like to shoot a turkey. And whenever you shoot a bird with any of four or five guns I've got at 30 yards, you ain't got much of a head to cut off. Yeah, he did. He did. Dead or, or clean mist, <laughs> in my case, uh, most of the time. Well, you see, now that is a little benefit of the TSS because there are so many skeletons in there, you don't have the holes in the patterns yeah. that a lot of people have. So you're more assured. It's a little more forgiving if you're a little left, little right, little high. You know what I'm saying? It's not quite. This is because of the number of, of, of pellets and no holes in the pattern. Yeah. But I've got my mashed up. You know, I've got my mashed up. Oh, there's, there's, I get people all the time. Oh, I killed one at 87 steps. I killed one at 76 steps. You know, yeah, I get it, I get it all, all the time. And, I have made two mistakes in my life with the TSS and it was too far. And no, I'm not going to tell you how far they were. They were too far. But it was the particular situation that I was in in the cataracts on my eyes that I've got to go have surgery on. I was misjudging the distance. In that case, that's where it's nice to know. Now, here's what, if I've got time, here's what Chris 
every shell available, and I was a big, heavy shot advocate, uh, what, five, six, seven, or four, five, six, I forgot what it was down to shooting. And my mm-hmm. gun still shoots a gun, you know, fairly, fairly good. But I took copper-coated four, five, sixes. I took heavy shot in different sizes and millions, and I took number nine TSS. And I took stacks, brand-new stacks of typing paper. And I put four clamps on them. At any given distance, or at least with the apex, that had the best penetration. Mm-hmm. At any given distance, I was running somewhere between 20 and 30% more penetration simply by counting the number of pages that it penetrated into. So that's yeah. a redneck version to test. Whatever distance you want to shoot, what kind of penetration. Penetration is bone breaking. Penetration is what kills. Yes. And the more penetration you got with the more number of shots, even though, yes, I am shooting number nine shot, it will kill him quicker, netter than any four, five, or six ever will. And I never would have fought that. I fought it for years. But by God, the proof is in the pudding. Well, I absolutely, I'm. I think TSS is great because it gives people, if, if they shoot a bird, you're going to have a lot less crippled turkeys. It's going to kill them dead. And even if you body shoot, you shoot them. shoot in a reasonable distance. Yeah, even if you body shoot body. close, you'll get pellets into the vitals with that kind of penetration. But I just, I think it's making people think they're deer hunting or something all of a sudden, where it's all about the shot and not. I mean, to me, Preston, if you had two people text you or whatever and say, hey, you know, they both killed a bird. One of them says, I killed him at 92 steps. And the other guy said, I killed him at three steps. Which one's more impressive? Well, what I want to do is I want to take the guy at 90-something steps and take a 10 and a half and stick up his rear end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's not about <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think with the, I with am, the shotgun, when somebody uses a bow and arrow and shoots one at, you know, 60 yards, that's impressive. You shot a single projectile and hit your mark. With a shotgun, you have a pattern that opens up more. So your aim could have been horrible at 80 yards and you still could have killed the turkey. So it honestly shows you right. were less of a marksman, <laughs> in my opinion. I, I'm not going to argue your opinion. I'm going to have to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, when somebody kills one at five yards, they a they've worked the bird in closer, crawled up close enough to shoot him that close, and they're shooting pretty much a rifle bullet at that distance. Yep, it's about how close, not how far. I just I think that our sports getting too much like deer hunting in that aspect. Well, like I said, TSS is the best and the worst thing that ever came out. I'll tell you what we're gonna do. Let's just outlaw TSS for everybody except Preston Pitt. There you go. Uh, wait a minute now. I, I want to be able to shoot it too. <laughs> I'm not saying outlawed. I just I think it's going to be a turkey hunters are going to have to decide. You know, I'm not going to shoot unless he's within 50 yards. You know, it to my best that, knowledge, that, and I get accidents like that, that. That that's basically where I'm at, and I prefer 40, 30 to 40. That's my preference. But, you know, in a field and he's strutting, they look so big sometimes. It's like, oh, he's definitely within 40 and he might be 45, but you can still kill it. Exactly. Exactly. And not cripple him up. Yeah. I understand people, you're going to make, 
you know, mistakes on that. But people just got to set guidelines. I mean, when when you're trying to see how far you can kill one, that that's not what this needs to be about. I agree with you. Yeah. So I do think t- I, I've shot those apex shells myself. It, the first turkey I shot with those was the most dead turkey I've ever seen in my life. He didn't, even, <laughs> he didn't flop. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I was like, and those suckers kick, though, I'll tell you that, out of a pump gun. I mean, they, they oh, got yeah. some That's pretty cool to them. They, they let you know well, that you, they're serious. You, you would be impressed if you ever, if they would let you walk into their establishment. Like I said, every step that is done is done by an individual checked by another person next step is done by an individual checked and then the end product you will notice when you open up the flap there is a signature in there it goes by a final inspector who hand signs it wow that's awesome i I didn't know i I didn't know people did that i didn't know people went to that kind of trouble and problems i mean hell they're handloading them yeah that's what it breaks down to mass producing it somehow that's incredible I, well that's, that's all i can tell you okay i can't i'm sworn to secrecy <laughs> so you guys talked about shooting at too great a distance with tss shells but neither any, of any you shell. have or any shell but neither of you touched on the subject of shooting a gobbler off of a hen let that man have his 45 seconds of fame or 30 seconds of fame or if he would be like me 10 seconds of fame let him finish what he's what he signed up for well, wait a second well, wait a second if he was 10 steps from me at least he died happy he he would be happier if he had gotten off the hen <laughs> if he had climbed off the hen he'd have been happier i'm having fun because he always got the chance of a stray pellet you know what i mean I am too. That you I'm, don't know about. Yeah. Knows the flyer, gets a limb, ricochets off, whatever it may be. Anytime there's a hen in the situation that there is a chance that you can kill her, don't shoot. Real simple. Yeah. yeah that, that's the bottom line. Especially 80 yards with number nines. There's so many pellets flying and opening up. And he was yeah. on top of her. So she's right there in the kill zone. Yeah. In, in any hunter. Any hunter knows that. Yeah. It was, you know. I just, I don't get offended by much stuff. I mean, everybody kind of hunts their own way, and that's good. But that one, I was kind of like, man, you, and you could tell they hit the hen with the shot. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was pretty rough. But I, I understand mistakes happen, but they shouldn't put that on YouTube. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, you got to be mindful. And, and, you know, every now and then somebody shoots a gobbler and never even knew that hen was back there behind 10 bushes and they end up killing her i mean i understand that kind of thing's gonna happen but yeah i gotta i gotta think if one was breeding a hen i'd have to let him finish because that could be a nest of turkeys next year there you go (laughs) there you go yep so cameron i think wanted to touch on something and and pick your brain about something in addition to what y'all had just talked about so other than obviously tss has been a heck of a revolution in the turkey hunting world but from when you started which what how old were you when you went turkey hunting the first time well on november the 28th of 1953 i was attached when i popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom i went oh, and i've been doing it ever since 
<laughs> I like that. I like that.
no more. So I put a sneaky snake crawl into the fossil field, into the little section of woods of where he was at. As I eased up, a hen caught me and put it. So then he run 30 yards by me, and I wouldn't shoot him. Mm. I threw the gun up, had the beat on his head, finger on the trigger, and I went, one, there's a little chance of him running as fast as he is that I'll cripple him. Two, more important to me, is my granddaughter put too darn much time into this bird. This is not the way to kill him. So he's there still right now, and he'll be there next year. And I'll kill him the right way, or she will. And what do you mean by the right way for you? Well, that wasn't, I, I can't tell you until it happens, but that particular situation of me standing up, him not knowing what the heck was going on, and was just getting away from a hen putting, and happened to run in my direction 30 yards from me. Not that I ain't never done it before. Not that I ain't never done it before. I'm not saying that, but that particular bird on my little piece of land, and the time they had been put into him, and the education that he had given, not just my granddaughter, but me also, he did not deserve to die that way. That just was not the right way. Not for that bird at that moment at that time. So he got a pass. And that's the individual. Now, an old man told me, one of very few old men that I got to hunt with, he's dead and gone, been dead and gone for a long time, Bud Myers out of Brooklyn, Mississippi. And he goes, son, he says, one day you're going to get to the point to where you're going to understand it's not always about pulling that trigger. And their walk, if you've got a thousand people listening to this, maybe one will understand what I'm trying to say right now. You have to have age, and you have to spend time in the woods. It ain't about the kill. It's about the experience. That's what it's about. That's awesome. Well, with turkey hunting, when in your younger years, you know, going with Mr. Jack Dudley compared to going today, what do you think the biggest difference is just overall? I mean, is, is, would you say there's more turkeys today than there were then or less? Well, from the beginning, like, let's go back 15, 16 years old. Damn, I fell a crack. <laughs> you know, I'm going to spear it out. So the other handful of people that, that hunt and Kemp Shelby, the Southern National Forest and hundreds of thousands of acres can't find it, then pretty good birds, then a lot of birds and not many hunters. That was the heyday. You're going back to the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Then it was, and I was in kill mode then, okay? And a little outlaw too. But I was in kill mode then. Then you get to the point to where because of the people like me, uh, publicize it in videos, not YouTube, we didn't have none of that crap back then. Popularity grew, and then now we have a lot better educated turkey hunters who are going out there because of social media, but that's not all of it. But at least they can get the beginning or the start through social media and still do nothing like another outdoors herself, okay? Ever, period. End of story on that. And then now we get to the point to where there are multiple. Now we get to the point to where hunters are better, collars are better, and it's a heck of a lot tougher now. And there are fewer turkeys than the heyday. There, there's something going on. Oh, I'll fix it up with a can of worms. Lack of habitat, yes. I believe in the 
legally takes coons, possums off of your land, especially if you don't have any coon hunters. Don't want to step on their toes. They have their rights also. But if it's your own property land and nobody's coon hunting, you can take the excess coons off of them, take them off. But then there's another fact. And, of course, there's, you know, wet springs and bad hatches and all that. Yes, all that is a problem. But there is something else, and I can't tell you what it is. Is it some type of a new disease? I don't know. But here in the states, and I know beyond a child about it has affected all the other factors, and I think something else. Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kansas, New York, those are the states that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the population is way down, way down than what it was, let's say, 15 years ago. So there's another something else that's there. I think you're on to something because there's a lot of folks that back you up on that claim. Well, let me, let me give you this example. Did not get to do Tennessee governor's hunt, but I was already told that please do not field dress your bird. Bring it in. We're going to have biologists taking samples from all the birds that come in from their internal organs. Well, they obviously are trying to find what's going on in middle Tennessee. Yeah. They obviously at least think that there's something else besides predation, bad habits, wet springs, so on, so on, and so forth, habitat, the whole nine yards. I say there's another factor out there. And I'm no biologist and I'm not an educated man, but there's something else. There's something else going on, and I don't know what it is. But I think our uh, different divisions in several of the states are trying to do research and uh, trying to find out just what the heck it is. Yep. I hope they figure it out, because... I know my dad, granddad, and everybody used to quail hunt like crazy, and they probably thought quail were going to be here to the end of time, and there are no quail anymore. And I don't want that to be the case in my life with turkeys. There you go. I, that, that's exactly my same sentiments. And it's going to take... They really don't know what happened to quail. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of, you know, a lot more of us hunters to have that attitude that we don't want it to happen to turkeys to make a difference and to make a change and you know you see that a lot this year with covid because people had more time to hunt and right. you know even though your state may say you get a bag limit of five turkeys dadgummit you don't have to kill five yeah. you, you know you can go and and still hunt every single day of the season and not kill five turkeys and still have one heck of a season look at me i kill one in yeah. my own home state one, yeah. and have one of the best seasons we ever had in my life. Yeah. 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 So, COVID couldn't hit at a worse time, in my opinion. As you said, Tennessee's struggling just like everywhere else. A lot, a lot of these southern states still had record harvest, even though populations are down. Yep. Well, that's for sure. Like I said, they're working on it. Hopefully, they can find out what it is, and maybe it's something we can do or change. Who knows? Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not that person. I just know that it's there. Or I believe that it's there. So. Yeah. It's just interesting to me to hear from your perspective because you lived through when there weren't many, when they started coming back, the heyday, as you said it, and now you're kind of seeing the other side of it. That's pretty, that's interesting you know, to me. I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually a blessed man because of all that because I have got to see basically the birth of modern day turkey hunting and it mature uh, 
into what it has turned into. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been a blessing. Is what it's been. I mean, from the books I read and stuff back, you know, when Jack Dudley was in his heyday, if you were a turkey hunter, you were you were one of the few. There weren't many of those guys running around. We had a graduating class at Harrisburg High School of pushing 400 in 72. I was the only turkey hunter to give you an idea. Wow. That's not the case anymore. Period. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Not. But I've got, I've got a lot of the old school. I've got a lot of the new school. I've got a little bit of all of it. I've had to sit all day long. I will crawl him in a heartbeat and make no apologies about it. When I get mad at one, I'm going to kill him any way I can, as long as it's legally, ethically, and morally right. And I can't help it. My morals do sometimes get a little low during turkey season. <laughs> Blame it on the lack of sleep. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Man, that was that was a good discussion. I I, I enjoyed hearing all that from you because uh, I just your generation of turkey hunters is uh, I kind of just cling to that. I read a lot of books about Jack Dudley and those guys. You know, Gene Nunnery, and that's just kind of the way I've always viewed turkey hunting. So getting to talk to you is always a pleasure for me. Well, you know what my pleasure is? I knew all those guys. Yeah. I'll give you a little piece of history. Me and Gene are sitting at his house, Mr. Nunner, in Meridian, Mississippi, and he was building calls with pop rivets, an aluminum frame putting pop rivets through And I was using plumber sheet lead, using Dixie Deluxe condoms and surgical gloves. When he said, man, I'm blowing pro, prophylactic. And I said, well, I kind of like this latex. And he said, I like the sound of what you're doing, but I'm, oh, I wish you could get a little buzz out of it. He said, try, try, try cutting on it some. That's when the Champion Choice Call was invented in his house. Hmm. Wow. That That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's very no neat. Doubt. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, Preston... Man, I, I can't thank you enough. You know, you, you give a lot of your time to us on this show, and we all reap the benefit of your knowledge and your humor and your personality. And, you know, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship and appreciate all you've done to, to share all of that with everyone who listens to this show a great deal. So yeah, thank, thank you, Preston. Well, I, appreciate both of y'all, and I leave with, with one little message I always like to leave with. Even though I'm not a real good Christian, but as God in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Kids, stay in school, listen to your parents, they love you, and whatever you choose to do, be the best you possibly can. My daddy told me, son, I don't care if you're a ditch digger. By God, you better be the best ditch digger there is out there. Y'all be safe. Thank you, Preston. Thank you, Preston. All right. That was, as always, entertaining. And, you know, I think you and I also picked Rodney in our heads as the winner as well. So, yeah, he really did it well. Yeah. Yeah. And And I like how Preston gave a critique also, you know, hey, you won, but you could still get better kind of thing. And I think that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is something I think we all as hunters want to know. Yeah. I mean, I know there's certain folks who don't like hearing critiques, but Preston Pittman wants to give me ideas on how I can make myself a better hooter or turkey caller. Please. 
please <laughs> feel free. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm just talking out loud and this may end up getting edited out of the show, but I wonder if next year before season starts, we should have some folks send in some clips of them calling, doing actual turkey calls, whether it's a diaphragm or pot and peg call or box call. And maybe we let Preston offer some critiques for those lucky people that... Wow, I like that clips. idea a lot. As long as I can put my hat in the ring. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? I, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be worth a lot of money to be able to get Preston Pittman to critique your calling, in my opinion. That'd be worth like at least 18 bucks a year annually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> That's hilarious. Or 99 cents for one full episode. <laughs> oh, oh, too funny. All right, man. Well... I think, think that's that, all we got. Yeah, I think that pretty well wraps it up for the week. And you've already been in touch with Rodney, is that correct? I have messaged him. He knows he's a finalist. Okay. He doesn't know yet. I'm assuming uh, I'll get a message back from Rodney when he knows. That's awesome. So I would say if by this time next week you don't hear back from Rodney, maybe you should message him and do you you don't have Preston's cell number do you so i need to send you Preston's cell number so you can give it to rodney yes okay. and if i don't hear from rodney i might call preston change my voice a little and order a call to my address so rodney you better be getting in touch with cameron pretty quickly <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah that was a that was a good show i think for the old souls of turkey hunting you can't you can't help but love listening to Preston Pittman talk. So I, I think that was great. And look forward to hearing from you, Rodney. Congrats on winning. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening in. Yeah, congratulations, Rodney. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Hunting Afternoon Birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.